Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and live in God's freedom. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I think it's probably safe to say many of us are something of control freaks. And in fact, the more uncertain and chaotic our world feels, the more we might fight for control, to plan, to plot, to strategize how we would like to see our circumstances and ultimately our lives play out, which is why divine redirects can feel so frightening, because by their very nature, they're unexpected and often outside our well-thought-out plans. What's more, these redirects can often lead us to places of increased dependence, to roles and positions where God can reveal not our capabilities and our brilliance, but rather his supernatural power and strength through us. And that can be frightening and maybe even painful, especially if that redirect involves the death of a dream. As it did for today's guest, Josh Dotzler, CEO and visionary of the Abide Network in Omaha, Nebraska. Josh, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. So Josh Dotzler is a spiritual leader. He's a justice advocate, communicator, and the CEO of Abide, a nonprofit mission focused on revitalizing the inner city of Omaha, one neighborhood at a time. He has used his voice on a national and a local level to ignite change and inspire individuals to use their God-given influence to see God-sized impact. Josh has served as a lead pastor for over a decade, and he partners with pastors and leaders from every sector across the city to bring change to local communities. Visit him online at Josh Dotzler, that's D-O-T-Z-L-E-R.com to find out more about him, abide his I2 platform and his resources. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So Josh, you you do a lot. You've done a lot. And just tell us a little about some of the things that you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
you know, we all have a story. And my story begins really when I was about two years old with my family, my parents. My dad was a chemical engineer, felt like God was calling him to some sort of mission field. Didn't know what it was, where it would be. Quit his job, sold his house, ended up in North Omaha, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. North Omaha is known for crime and violence and poverty. And my parents would tell you that at one point in time in this process, they opened up the newspaper and they told God, we'll go anywhere except for North Omaha. And uh, early on, you know, they learned, don't tell God what you won't do. And I think that's kind of been a, even a theme for my life and my journey growing up, participating with what my parents did. I loved what they did. They were making a difference, but I also experienced the fear through the the things that happened around our house and to our home. And so I always tell people I loved what they did, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to follow in their footsteps. And so I went off and played college basketball, got a scholarship here at Creighton. And it was through an injury that God really used that to get my attention, redirect my life back to the very neighborhood and community that I was living in and was trying to leave. And so, yeah, so started there about 13 years ago. And then just over time, you know, you find yourself in different situations and in those different seasons have tried to step into what God was saying and doing. And that's been leading the church, leading our nonprofit, working with other churches in our city and and has taken on a variety of forms over the years. So take us back to that moment when you had that injury like that. Yeah. You had kind of this trajectory for your life, right? Yeah, and, for sure. And, and probably... Maybe, maybe your identity wrapped up in that and, yeah. and kind of where you thought you'd receive joy and fulfillment. So what what did that feel like? Kind of take us through that process. Yeah, I, I think every young person, at least athlete, dreams about playing professionally. And honestly, you think it's going to last forever. You don't really see any life after sports or athletics despite what your parents tell you, despite what other people who have gone before you tell you. And so for me, Yeah, so much of my identity was wrapped up in sports and basketball. Had a very successful high school career. We won multiple state championships. I won a lot of awards. Was offered a scholarship to play at Creighton when I was a sophomore, which at the time was one of the youngest. And so everything had been pretty easy athletically. What wasn't easy playing, it was a lot of hard work, but everything was moving in the direction that I had hoped it would. And my freshman year, I remember even hearing talks. I was playing as a freshman, starting as a freshman, playing a lot of minutes. You know, some people said, man, maybe he has a chance to play professionally. Wow. And uh, so it really helped probably feed into my identity in thinking, man, I really have what it takes. And when I got injured, you know, it was the first time for me I really started to understand that there was life after athletics. And I'll never forget being in my dorm room and tell people I was kind of a part-time Christian too. Mm. So I'd, I'd pray part-time, grew up in a great home. But you know, when I went to school and, and because basketball was so much of my identity, God and my faith was, I would say, second to that and kind of on the back burner. And my injury really allowed me to, to focus on God a little more. And I felt like God reminded me of a scripture verse, Revelations 3.16, either you're hot or you're cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And I felt like for me, it was God was saying, Josh, either serve me 110% or don't serve me at all. And that that decision to say, man, God, I want to serve you 110%. Not that my life was great or perfect after that. The next three years would be the worst years athletically for me. My identity would really, I would say, be shaken 
And Omaha is not a huge city. So when you travel around, people know Creighton basketball and you go from being the hero to hearing people talk about you behind your back Wow! and uh, talk about how you used to be good and you used to be able to do these things. And as a young, you know, 20 year old hearing these things and your identity was so wrapped up in them. I mean, I, honestly, I just wanted to go hide and I didn't want to be around people. And it took a lot of years to keep understanding that even in the midst of that pain, God was still there. Wow. And, and not only was God there, I can look back and see how God was preparing me for other things and the calling that eventually I would start to walk into. And so it was a very difficult season. Shortly after I said yes to God, I felt like God was saying to Mary, who was my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife of 15 years. And we got married before my junior year of college. Oh, wow. And so as a freshman going into college, I had no desire to be married. Neither did my wife. But just as things played out, again, I could see how God was kind of putting us on this fast track to just the calling that he had, the next steps that we would take. And I felt like that was just a call to obedience. And I knew what my coaches would say. I knew what my teammates would think. I knew what our friends would say, but felt like that step of obedience really started to kind of create the path that uh, we're even walking in today. Wow. So I know too, you, you grew up in a, you know, your parents lived on mission. Yeah. So do you think even, even though you kind of, you know, you talked about in your college years, you were a part-time Christian, but do you think there was still how did, how did their life and growing up in that environment, how do you think that's impacted what you do now, really, and how you raise your family and how you serve in your ministry? Yeah, I mean, a 100% their lifestyle is what has impacted me and really is, is the reason I'm where I am today. The faith aspect was huge. You know, my parents were, like you said, living on mission. Faith was at the forefront. But I would also say this other word that my parents use a lot was purpose. And they lived with, a sense of purpose in what God was calling them to do. And so even for me, as I was looking to get out of uh, transition from college and my wife and I were, were trying to figure out what was next, I remember, I can't remember if it was after a game or during a game, but I remember the feeling of 18,000 fans being in the stadium, but feeling like what I was doing was a job more than my purpose. Oh, wow. And, and I remember feeling like I never want to pursue something for money, for fame, for the wrong reasons. Because of what I saw in my parents, I wanted to pursue a purpose and a calling over a career. And so that, that actually is what led my wife and I to taking a step to actually join the ministry. Now, we thought it would be short term, but there weren't a lot of financial incentives. There weren't a lot of, you know, just really big, cool incentives that we were receiving. But if there was one thing that helped us make decisions as we started our journey was, man, we want to pursue a purpose more than anything else because we realize chasing after some of those other things will always leave us empty and won't fulfill the longing that's inside of us. So basically what I'm hearing you say is you saw just like a vibrancy of life. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way? 
I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app. In your parents that attracted you? Big time, despite what was actually happening on a daily basis. And despite what they were experiencing, you know, they lived with this vibrancy. And I think there's a great lesson for us in that, that here you had, you know, from a young adult's perspective, you had everything that should have made you happy and fulfilled. And yet you had this realization that you weren't as fulfilled as you could be. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I remember, again, college athletics is very unique. You know, we'd fly private planes and we'd stay in the best hotels. And and I remember, you know, donors, people who who pay to be a part of the program, they would want to sit next to you on airplanes and they would want, you know, special treatment. And I just, I just remember the feelings for myself thinking, man, like I want to pursue a different path. I don't want to get caught up in some of the things that I think are so easy for us to put our identity in. And I think part of it was God stripping me from what, again, I thought was what was most important and kind of starting to show me and help me understand what purpose was really, really about. And you, you talked about as well that you had some of your initial aversion was due to fears that you experienced growing up. So what were some of those, some of, some of the fears, not just, and I think for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with living in a, a high crime area, but then also just fears related to like your life trajectory. Yeah. I'll remember, never forget, you know, when I was 10 years old, we had already been living in North Omaha for a while, but we moved into another house And I remember almost every single night you would go to bed with the helicopters overhead. Wow. And the helicopter sound meant that the police were out looking for somebody. They were out, you know, roaming the streets, the community to see what they could find. And, you know, other stories of coming home one night and our neighborhood was lined with police cars and lights were on and a police officer came up to our family and said, hey, we've got to go in the house first to make sure the person we're looking for isn't in your house. Oh, wow. Before you can go in there, grab your stuff and go stay somewhere else. So those types of situations, I mean, during the day, seeing police officers with rifles and guns going through your yard because they're chasing somebody. Neighbor, my two older sisters, best friends and their neighbor girls, when they were seven and nine were murdered two houses down from us. So a lot of those experiences, the saying in communities like ours, high crime, poverty, and violence is work hard, get an education, and you too can move out of the ghetto. Uh, And so when you think about, when people think about success, you don't think about staying in a community that's going to be surrounded by chaos and crime and violence. And, 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 And even for my wife and I, I mean, I can tell you, it's one thing to like see it from a child's perspective, me living there with my parents and them kind of guarding me. But then when my wife and I started to have our own kids and, you know, there's a drive by right next to our house, it causes you to really 
seek God in terms of the calling and, and where you're supposed to be. So the neighborhood was definitely full of a lot of challenges. We had personal experiences and wasn't the ideal place to live and to raise raise our children, especially my wife and I both had college degrees and probably could have gotten some jobs that allowed us to live somewhere else. Wow. So, and you know, I often will tell our listeners, our fears, they, they make proclamations. They, they lie about God, about his nature. And so what were some of those, both maybe some lies or some doubts that you wrestled with, and then just some truths that he really helped to cement in your heart? Yeah. I mean, I think my dad used to always say the most dangerous place to be was outside the center of God's will. And I knew that here. But trying to really live that and understand that I I felt like, you know, the community we lived in was one of the most dangerous places. And so I had to really wrestle with, you know, God's plan, God's desire versus my personal fears. And so I think just the fear physically of what goes on in a community like that, misunderstanding or misrepresentation of the people in the community and thinking that many of them are bad and many of them And then once you hear their stories, you recognize that there's a reason that they're kind of acting or reacting the way they are. I think the mindset that it's hard to be successful in a community like this. And quote I heard years ago that Mother Teresa said when somebody asked her about what she was doing, she said, you know, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. And so I think even just as a young person, even just trying to be a part of building a ministry, a church, you have a perception of what success is. And I think God's had to help me redefine some of those metrics and measurements to say, hey, this is this is what I say success is versus this is what maybe the world says success is. So I actually heard a sermon that you delivered at Christ Community Church in Omaha, Nebraska. And you were kind of sh- you sh- were sharing a little bit of your story and probably more recently where, I don't know how recently, but in your adult time, in your ministry, where you kind of hit another spiritual wrestling moment. And I think I'd love to hear about that because I think sometimes we think, okay, if we, if God calls us to something and we step into it, it's going to be great. And, you know, it's, we're not going to struggle and we're not going to have fears and it's just going to be this mountaintop experience. So do you remember, do you, do you recognize the, the moment I was talking about? I don't remember the exact one you're talking about, but I'll say two things. And then if if I remember it or if you think of it, feel okay. free to ask me. But I, I do tell people, I used to think that once I discovered my calling, it would be kind of smooth sailing and there would be a level of, I would say, comfort associated with it. Like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is comfortable. And I haven't found that to be true. And I tell people, my wife and I tell people, probably the first five over five years of ministry, we felt like was strictly out of obedience. Mm. A lot of what we were a part of, what we were doing, visually speaking, now God would give us just enough hope, but there were a lot of tough days and a lot of days where we just didn't see, you just couldn't see visually, even though we sensed God was doing something in our hearts. And so it was a lot out of obedience. And even today, you know, whether it was the purchasing of the facilities that we're in now as an organization, a ministry, going through seasons where 
you know, some of your closest supporters are kind of trying to talk you in a direction that goes against the vision you feel like God has given you. And God reminds you of why he gave you that vision. You're standing firm, financial challenges. I mean, just in the last couple of years, you know, we've had buildings that have been burned, burned down. We've had houses where families have lived in those that we've had to move out because of some of the challenges in that neighborhood. We've had vandalism on our campus, at our facilities. There's constantly challenges that we're overcoming. And that doesn't even include my own personal insecurities and fears. And, <laughs> you know, every time you speak or every time you put yourself out there and you don't feel like you, you, you did what you could have done or wanted to do and you walk back, it's like, man, am I really called to this? Like, is this what I'm really supposed to do? And those are consistent and constant. And for me, you know, having people around you who, who see who God's called you to be and encourage you in that is huge. And then number two, God, as you're pursuing him, whether it's in quiet time with him in scripture, he's constantly reminding me, no, this is who I've called you to be. And you can look at who I used in the Old Testament and all throughout scripture in the New Testament, and it was never smooth sailing for, for any of them. And so I think it, it's been a reminder, but honestly, I have to be reminded all the time that calling and comfort aren't necessarily compatible with each other. Yeah, I think because God does stretch us, right? Yeah. As he constantly grows us. Well, and with your role to, you're doing life change, like you're doing community culture change. Yes. So that takes a really long time. And I know so I I've only known about the Abide Network for maybe five years. So I'm sure there was just a a time of slow build. Yep. Big time. So during that time were you were you wondering like, is God really moving here? Oh, big time. I mean our organization is 33 years old. And oh that's new. That's I mean that's relatively new. Yeah. It's relatively new. And I and I would say for me, I, you know, I've only been a part full time for the last 13 years. And so, you know, 20 years, my parents working hard. Even today, we were in the community and we were looking at an old facility that used to be kind of our headquarters. And it was a 4,000 square foot box. I mean, a brick box with limited heat and air. I think I've been there. I think I've seen it. On I, Lake yeah. Street. I mean, if you were sitting in the right place, you'd get leaked on if it was raining. And it's just, I mean... Honestly, we thought we would never leave that location. Like we thought we would never get beyond that. And then God opened up an opportunity to purchase a campus and 24 acres and, and 208,000 square feet, but it's an old, it was an old campus and facility. And so then your biggest blessing becomes your biggest burden. <laughs> and you think you'll never be able to see certain things happen. And just year after year, I've seen the power of faithfulness and just showing up. And allowing God to do what only really he can do. Do you think some of that was building trust too within the community? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, everything comes down to relationships. And I think that takes time too. People don't trust you right when you move in. You've got to establish relationship. Let people know what you're for. You're for the community. You're not just here to do your own thing. And so all those things take time for sure. So what has been the biggest blessing? I think that, you know, we, we really believe the church, which is the people of God, are the hope of the world. And our passion is to see Christians live on mission. And if I were to look at the story that God has told through Abide, through what we've been a part of, it's been just people of God, Christians, leveraging the influence that God's given them. I mean, we've, we've got a 4,000 square foot fitness center 
Wow. That's one of the best fitness centers I'd say in the city. Praise God. In terms of equipment, but about two years ago, it was a old swimming pool that had been vandalized and was in terrible condition and looked like, I mean, a place that should be just demolished. And God given a vision to say, you know what, one day that's going to be a fitness center for three years, casting that vision. And then after three years, somebody saying, you know what, we feel like God's calling us to help you be a part of that vision. And to see that's just one small story of a whole 33 years worth of those stories of people saying, you know what, you know, some, some people look at my parents and even look at myself and be like, man, you're living your calling. You're doing what God's called you. And I'm a firm believer that every single person who's played a part in mm. the story that God is telling, the only reason we're where we are today is because so many people have leveraged their influence and lived out the calling that God has on their life. So I think as I step back, seeing all those people, all those stories, use what God's given them, it's a result of the impact we've been able to have. Wow. When I'd, I'd like you just to pause for a minute because you have, you know, you, you talked about seeing people with, you understand why they behave the way they do. And then kind of looking at this generational shift that I think that yeah. I think God is doing through you. So some of our listeners come from places of trauma, like they yeah. come from hard places. So what would you say to them? Like, you know what? I just don't know if there is a call for me, but what, yeah. how would you speak into their life right now? Yeah. We break down purpose and calling into kind of three areas. There's the universal purpose, which first and foremost, God has a plan for all of us that we would love him and we'd love our neighbor. We'd love the world around us. And so regardless of where you are, what season of life you find yourself in, man, we're called to love. And I know some of us haven't experienced that love that the Bible talks about that God gives us. But I'm telling you, the first thing is you get to experience it. God wants you to experience it but then he wants you to express it to the world around you. So we talk about universal purpose. Number two is this unified purpose. We believe everyone's called to be connected to a community. It's in community. It's in a family of faith that we get encouraged and strengthened and we get the resources we need and people call out the gold in us. And sometimes we don't see it in ourselves, but when we have the right people around us, they call it out of us. And so wherever you are, if you're not connected to a local church or a local community, Make sure you get connected to people who know your name, to people who you know, so you can be encouraged and strengthened and also committed to that community of people. So there's the universal purpose. We're all called to love. There's the unified purpose. We're called to be connected to a community. And then number three is our unique purpose, our unique calling. We find out who we are uniquely when we're connected to a community and ultimately connected to God's greater story. So my encouragement would be, Man, connect to God, connect to God's family in some way. And out of that, he'll bring the right resources to help you process your past and your pain, which are some of the most powerful parts of your purpose, by the way. Wow. Yeah. And in that, man, the uniqueness of who God's called you to be will allow you to live that out wherever you are. And I just want to say this too. I want to encourage you, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, whether you run a Fortune 500 company, you're a father, there is no calling or purpose that's too little or too big. Who you're raising might be as important or more important than what you do. And so knowing that in different seasons, God has us in different places, I think is important too. 
Wow. Yeah. And so with, I don't know if your answer to this question would be different from what you previously said, but what would you say to someone who's listening and they're kind of, they're back where you were when you were in college and they're like, you know, I sense God is nudging me in a different yeah. direction. I'm, I'm not sure that could mean breaking from expectation from, you know, all this. What would you, what would you say to that person who maybe senses a nudge, but is afraid to take that step forward? Yeah. I think the word that I think of is faith. <laughs> And I think when I think of faith, I think of number one, going all in with God. When you go all in with God, when you surrender everything to him, he'll start to lead you. And in putting your all in with God, totally putting yourself in that faith circle, then you are faithful to whatever he's saying. And being faithful ultimately leads to being fruitful. So I think it sounds so simple and so simplistic. And to some degree it is, it's like, man, I got to pursue God. That means I'm getting in his word. That means I'm praying. That means I'm inviting people of God to speak into my life. I'm going all in with God, with faith and wherever he has me, I'm going to be as faithful as I can be. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to work hard because I know how I live today is what's going to set me up for the next season that God has me. Say that again. I think that's so good. Yeah. I think, yeah, just being faithful because how we live today, how we go about our work, our energy, our attitude, our faith really sets us up for the next season that God calls us into. So sometimes, which I'm guilty of this, I can be looking ahead to the next season instead of just saying, you know what? I got to stay faithful. I got to stay planted and faithful. And then knowing that faithfulness will eventually lead me to being more fruitful in other areas. Awesome. Now you actually have a book, correct? Available on kind of finding purpose and calling. So can you just briefly tell us a little bit about your book? I don't have a book out on purpose and calling yet. Oh, okay. But but I will have one coming out next year. I wrote a book called Church in Crisis. Okay. Okay. Yes. It doesn't sound like purpose and calling, (laughs) but the, the heart, the heart behind it is as the church, as people of God, We're called to be in the middle of the most challenging spaces and places in our world. And COVID really highlighted some of the challenges that the church is experiencing, the crisis. But I think it also highlighted God's heart that, man, when the world, when things are darkest, we're called to shine brightest and we get an opportunity to be in the spaces that I believe God wants the church to be in. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I will put in our show notes as well, his book, so you can find out about it and then go to his website so you can be alert when that next book comes out. Well, and Josh, having having seen the impact that your ministry has had just in the Metro, I'm really grateful that you followed God's leading. Your story inspires me, and I hope it inspires our listeners as well to do the same. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing excited for the impact. I'll say this too. You can go on my website, which will be in the show notes. And there is a booklet that helps you continue to uncover your purpose. Oh, awesome. It gives you categories to answer questions. And so for those who are looking out for that, would love for you to take advantage of that. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. To our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining my team and I on this journey of decreased fear and increased faith. 
If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it. That encourages our team and it helps others to find it as well. And we would love it if you would share the content with your friends and share it on social media so that others can gain the tools, the encouragement to experience Christ's freedom on a deeper level. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.